Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas and the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. It's warm up. It is warm up time. Mm-hmm. It's we're like in mid-April. We've been talking about sports, and I was just curious. This little warm up episode is called Fan Favorites. We've talked about Fan movies favorites. and sports, but. I'm curious, and I, I don't think our listeners know, like, our involvement in sports. Like, I don't know if people know that, oh, yeah, you are a bit of a jock from high school. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know that I you thought about myself that way, but yeah, yeah. I, that's I think true. you are. I, I don't think so. I think when you put your mind to it, you have extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. and, and it's very, I'm like, no, no, no. When this guy is, like, the coxie <laughs> for, like, a rowing team and yes. has done wrestling and such, and with me, people are like, oh, what did you play? Like, it's funny that we grew up with playing sports and right. the sports that you would never normally know, right? So right. for me, I grew up with tennis. I don't think people know that about, some people do know that about me. I, played I did from know that I about eight, you. So I was 18 and yeah. it's a sport that my parents really loved playing. Mm. And we were part of a tennis club at White Oaks Inn, Niagara on the Lake. And I would have lessons. And Willie and Susie, my parents, loved playing it. It was just something they splurged in. My mom, I think my mom was a better player than my dad. And they played Mm. in leagues (laughs) and round robins, doubles, singles. And they really enjoyed it. They wanted me to do it. And when growing up, Kuya, I... There was like levels and there was, I got through so many levels and there would be like a tournament one, two, and three levels. So at tournament one, two, you'd be in your teens. When you get to tournament three, you would play tournaments across Ontario. Mm. I would always be at tournament two and I just couldn't get over that edge to be in tournament three. And I can see it. Like, I just didn't take it seriously. And in retrospect, I'm like, I know why. And like, I don't think I appreciated the sport as a release. I felt more right. of it as a job. And I right. know I had good backhanders and stuff like that. I wasn't as consistent or whatever, but I really knew how to do serve and volley and I enjoyed it. But what I wanted to know when you were growing up or who did you follow in tennis? Like I grew up in a time and I made this comment when playing volleyball and I said, oh my God, Michael Chang as mm. being a tennis player growing right. up. And so right. that just aged you. <laughs> and I'm like, it's true because I didn't see any other Asian players. And I, I took, I went to a tennis camp and I remember watching, we were watching like some Canadian tournament. It wasn't like the Canadian Open or anything, but we had a lot of people, famous people like Helen Kalesi was playing and Renee Simpson Alter and Andrew Schneider. Look at me be all yeah. And then someone looked at me like, oh, you could be the next Michael Chang. You know, I'm like, I'm Filipino, but I was mm-hmm. like, hey, Michael Chang, Asian guy, young. Asian adjacent. Asian adjacent. I was like, oh, I identify. I'm like, oh yeah, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, in some of the sports that you played, like, was there any sports players that came to mind where you're like, oh, my God, that's an athlete or that you followed? What was your sports experience growing up like? Who did you look to or were you any big fans for any sports with any prominent players? Or Kind of similar to you, my influence, at least in terms of watching sports, really relied on my dad. And what oh, yeah. he was watching was boxing, actually. Oh, no so way. Every time that there was boxing and, oh, Sigs, you know, Anytime there's any boxing, where does it occur? It usually occurs on pay-per-view. And in the classic Filipino yes. traditional way, my dad would find a way to get these scramblers. Make- yeah, these makeshift these scramblers. scramblers, these de-scramblers, which of course are illegal. 
I hate to throw my can you explain can you explain to our <laughs> listeners what a descrambler is so, and it's funny because this is a tranche before like satellite dishes a descrambler right. is what so listeners back in the 80s <laughs> there would be signals that would be sent over the cable that was scrambled so although you could hear the audio, you obviously couldn't see the video. Uh-huh. And if you actually had a proper pay TV box, you could attach all of this and it would descramble it so long as you paid for the pay-per-view. Of course, at the time, and I remember this, and in the 80s, it cost this much. It's $49.99. Yeah, today, 49. the $49.99. And today, right. if you wanted a pay-per-view you know, that you would order off of your Rogers or Shaw or Kajiko direct cable box, Mm -hmm. it would probably cost $79.99 today. But literally, you couldn't see the video. So it would descrambler it, I guess is one way to think about it. Well, sometimes you could get some, let's just say off market descramblers. Yes, yes, yes. That weren't necessarily legal. And if you got them, you would attach them to the back. There are like three or four dials that you would have to kind of use to then suddenly fine tune things in. Yeah. And as I'm saying this, like, Sig, your face is just lighting up. It's like I'm like tuning into memories from yesteryear. And so my dad spent lots of time trying to get these descramblers. Then poof, right? We would get it. It wouldn't be the best picture. But I remember watching like Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, my God. Did you watch Tyson at all? Yeah, we would actually watch Tyson nice. towards the end. And so I'd watch all of this. And that's kind of where I started to understand and appreciate the combat sports. And as you've alluded to, and as I've said, by the time I got to high school, there was some initial interest in wrestling. The only mm-hmm. reason why we never pursued it further was un- there was an unfortunate accident at our high school, unfortunately, with a wrestler that then led to the wrestling program being taken away. Oh, so oh, sadly, that didn't continue. But I could have seen myself actually going forward with that throughout high school Mm. and stuff like that. And at the time, I was a pretty good wrestler that I I ranked pretty well in the Toronto District School Board as well as in OFSA as well. Yeah, you know, in the Ontario League. I do have to say the average boxing set of rounds would occur for 12 or 13 rounds. And Mm -hmm. in as much as it's a combat sport, it's also a thinking person sport, meaning you're always kind of waiting for your right shot. You're always waiting for the right shot. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of lumbering around and then waiting to punch or throw a punch and then lumbering around some more and then waiting for a punch. So sometimes you'd see it in the very beginning rounds or you'd see it very on in the, at the end. And it's not like watching Creed, you know, where they kind of, no, 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 it's not that cinematic as that. So you yeah. really have to wait. And it almost reminds me of actually like fishing. You gotta have to wait to kind of catch the fish. Well, here you're kind of waiting for your window of opportunity. So it was very fun to kind of watch these guys. But I think, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, it would be like I'd watch the beginning because there was all the pomp and circumstance of all of these boxers coming into the ring and then mm-hmm. everyone in the ring. And then suddenly, like that middle fight, middle part, probably rounds six to 11 just seemed mm-hmm. to lumber on it. I would lose my attention and then I'd run back into the room when it would be like round 12 or 13. But that's kind of what I had growing up. For me, that's kind of who I followed at the time, or at least took some interest because basketball wasn't big in my family. Hockey obviously wasn't big in my family. In fact, my family didn't know what hockey was at that time. So yeah. it really came down to boxing and my dad was really into it. And so by extension, I was into it too. That is really cool. 
it's funny that you know it's drawn to TV and our, my parents watched it. We watched like all the Grand Slams. We taped them on Betamax because they yes. wanted to learn the skills. Yeah. And or we'd watch at different hours, right? So Australian right. Open. My parents would time it. Oh, it's on this time. We'd watch, you know, we'd have TSN. Did you ever get into the dramatics? So like were you like a WWF follower at all? I wasn't a WWF follower. I know some of the Filipino families that we hung out with were into it. But I have to say, like, mm-hmm. because it was more what I perceived as entertainment, it was hard for me to kind of actually pay attention to it because I was thinking to myself, and I think I was a bit of a purist back then, that any combat sport, even if it was WWE or WWF, it was Mm. exactly that. It was professional wrestling that was more entertainment driven and more about soap opera. And in fact, I used to think about it as like, male soap operas more than anything else and it was set up like that right they like were like totally Lula set Bada, up that Cindy way Lauper, yeah 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 there, totally Hogan and stuff yeah. totally so I can't say that but I I will say this though that wasn't until MMA came along in the yeah. late 90s mm-hmm. that I suddenly became intrigued it was a faster format so it was either three rounds or five rounds if it was championship you know and I recall seeing it from its very early days and in fact just remembering about how you could watch this on pay-per-view and people had tapes that were being passed around saying, you got to watch this fight. And at first it was, to me, it just seemed like an experiment seeing Mm -hmm. which combat or martial arts sport would outdo another martial arts sport. So like Mm -hmm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus Taekwondo or Taekwondo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Versus Karate, right? Yeah, And then it it became like an interesting kind of like, which is the better? And then Gracie came along, showed Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and then showed that combat sports really function on leverage. And if you can yeah. leverage to your advantage, the strength, it didn't matter what the sport was, but, and the size, you could beat your opponent if you knew how to actually use leverage to your advantage. And then it started to get formalized and organized and legitimized over the years. And then that's the drama I started following. And then I have to you say, were, like, social media was totally into it. And Sigs, you'll recall, like... You were a- into it. You knew everybody. And, like, and it was so funny because I just had to do a collection of old clothes. And I have, like, my Mashida Shogun. Yeah, that's right. Because right. we went to the Rogers Center to go see we that, did. right? And, With and it was, George St. Pierre, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you and I went. And, and GSP, man, like... I used to teach like use of force tactics and I think GSP one of the times he won he used was kicking he was kneeing yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. it led to it and people like well kicking's are really dumb I'm like well actually it's not if GSP won right you know and that was so big and I remember like the lead up and like you knew everybody and it was it me you our friend James and Dave and knows Dave, where we yeah went. and David and we had a great time but I'll tell you something. I had to step away because one of the guys was bleeding. Like in his interview, he was like literally yeah. from his eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know if it's me or I drank too much, but I'm like, I can't watch the interview. Like I was like, Yeah, oh. it is Poor not for the pain like, of heart. It, and it's, it, it, it's it a rough sport. I mean, like all these other sports are rough sports, but this certainly was a rough sport. And And I certainly just enjoyed watching people train and kind of develop mental toughness as they were coming to the big match. And so MMA certainly sustained my attention from boxing like what I said the middle rounds would always lose me and then I'd kind of go away and then kind of come back you Mm -hmm. know but MMA caught me right from the very beginning it was always fun for me to see kind of people be matched up against others and see if the underdog would win or if the defending champion would win 
Yeah, but it like totally like would follow Luke Rockhold or Jake Shields or GSP or Kane yeah. Alaska. I you Chuck brought Cadell. me you brought us into that world and you were so into it and I loved it because you'd spectate like see look check this out or TSN has like their training videos on right now and they're like yeah, oh, totally. they're getting ready. <laughs> totally. were really, it was fun. It was really fun. It was such a snippet of like what was that two thousand whatever to that like well mid yeah 2000s it, yeah mid 2010 like, yeah yeah in and around that time i kind of miss talking to james about it because we would compare notes and kind of talk about fight iq and all of that stuff <laughs> along with like the soap opera that kind of goes with it and then every time i would go to vegas if there was a fighter that was in at the mgm grand or something like that or at the mandalay bay well, yeah. if I could catch it, I would catch it. And then mm-hmm. there would be times where even if I wasn't catching a match, a UFC event, you would always see fighters everywhere and be like, hey, that's, that's true. So-and-so. So I would like yeah. have all these different selfies at one point. I and I it. remember I James it. was watching UFC and I can't remember what which one it was, but my brother-in-law went and James was just like, dude, I just saw him on TV because they panned up really close. And it was like, oh there was me and my brother-in-law with like beers in hands while we were watching all the different events or all the different matchups. So yeah. So that's it's kind so of what I still follow to this day. And just for our listeners or whatever, I like talking about your competitiveness when it comes to rowing. Oh, totally. I like hearing about it. Do you follow rowing still? Like, how did you fall into that? I still follow rowing and it yeah. actually started in my varsity days. Right. So back at Western. And the story is this, and I think I may have said it in some other form on this podcast. Essentially, I was an undergraduate student. I was walking across to get to the Natural Science Building on the campus of Western University. Mm -hmm. And across from the McIntosh Museum, these two six foot four guys flag me down and say to me, how much do you weigh? And I was like, none of your business. (laughs) Loaded loaded question. Well, and I also thought to myself, (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to like, and this was in the time when Greek society and- Was big at Western. And this is Jesse with like, you had a beautiful, beautiful, dark, long hair. Yeah. To your shoulders. I I had really long hair at the time. Beautiful, like a bob. It was beautiful. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that I don't anymore. But (laughs) (laughs) what ended up happening was I said, none of your business. And then started to walk really fast because I thought- I'm going to get hazed by these two guys or something like for the football team or wherever they might be. And then they caught up to me and they said, no, 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 you don't understand. And I remember saying to them, no, I understand completely thinking that they were going to haze me and pick me up and, me. and tie me up to a yellow station wagon. But that wasn't the case. They said, do you know anything about rowing? And then I paused and I said, no, tell me more about rowing. And they said, we're looking for the coxie. Like we're looking for someone of your stature and your build. And at the time, listeners, I was like less than 115 pounds. So they needed needed somebody, they needed somebody about that size to put me in the back. And then born was my rowing career. And it was there. And then at Trent University. And then I also did some club rowing in Peterborough and even here in Toronto. And then eventually took a bunch of guys to represent Canada in the out games in Montreal. I love so, that. That's my favorite story about you. That, that was in Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah, Michael that Danny was totally played, Michael Danny playing tennis in that. And I love hearing that story because was it you and your crew were singing like High School Musical? Oh, totally. Like, where... <laughs> so, so this gay crew that I was coxing, yeah. our total motivation was around High School Musical. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And it was a, a sanctioned Fédération International de Sport Avant event right so it was a pure FISA event and like I met the president of FISA at the time and he shook my hand as we congratulated us and we won gold for that particular year so it was quite fantastic and then you know all throughout every time I'm watching rowing 
You know, I'm always cheering for Canada. I always think about the 96 Barcelona games where we had a win with the men and the women's uh, rowing eights and stuff like that. Um, And I have to say, like, it's a sport that you don't necessarily will find someone like Filipinos in the sport because we're rarely six foot tall. Exactly. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time with these two rowers that recognized that somehow I might have some type of coordination and sense of strategy and competition. And it is a competitive sport and it is a sport that really requires you to kind of work together and figure out how to get people moving together. And it was fun kind of trying to figure out the motivation along the way in terms of what gets people to the finish line. There were some crews that would be motivated based on the bars that we were going to visit after the, you know, <laughs> the regatta. And there were some yeah. that were very much not about that. They were more about kind of being excellent in their technique. But I learned a lot of life lessons from rowing and I look fondly upon it. And I think if I was younger, I'd go back to it even harder. I find it's such a perfect fit for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, about doing a mindset, motivating people, trying yeah. to go cohesive and, and trying to guide. Like, I just, yeah. I go, it makes sense. <laughs> it totally makes sense. It. Like, that, yeah. And that's what I, I sort of wanted to hear about. I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's a great way to sort of end off our warm up as we enter another sports oriented full episode talking about all or nothing. Are you warmed up? I'm totally warmed up and I can't wait to talk about more sports in our full episode. Excellent. Hey, folks, we love email. We want to hear what you think about our podcast. Email us at holohollopopculture at gmail.com. The Holohollo podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, leave a review, and tell your friends all about us. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at holohollopop. And we're on Instagram at holohollopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chelts Ring, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you guys soon. The Discramble Scrambler Queen. <laughs> Just to get first choice. First choice. Remember? First, first choice, choice at Super Channel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>